This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Book Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mug Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. Good evening and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show over the next hour. I'm joined by Dia Kernaz and James Howard. I can see my producer in the control and clapping along to Glad all over. He seems pretty delighted, despite the fact he doesn't even support Crystal Palace, but he is getting excited on this Wednesday evening. Plenty to cover over the next hour. We'll be talking about that win in the derby, whether these guys consider it to be a real derby. 1-0 away at Brighton, maybe a bit of a smash and grab, but the most important thing is all three points in the bag. We'll be looking at some of the other news stories. Cenk Tossin was revealed today. has gone back to Everton. Could his injury spell the end of his loan deal for this season? And we'll also look ahead to their next game against Watford, uh, who thoroughly kind of outplayed and dominated my beloved Liverpool on at the weekend. So surely not going to be an easy game for what uh, for Crystal Palace coming up this weekend. So plenty to get through over the next hour. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us, Crystal Palace fans, call us on 0208 7020 558. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Love Sport Radio. We are also on WhatsApp, so make sure you get in contact with us this evening. As I mentioned, I'm joined by two esteemed guests, Dio Kernaz and James Howard. How are we doing this evening? Very good, very good. I mean, two yeah. two wins there, about just scraped scraped over the line. But I'm happy. You know, what can you want? We've we've come off with the worst against Brighton in recent recent uh, games, and. Um, you know, yeah, we, we probably could have done played a bit better, but you know, it's, it's a it's a tense situation, the rivalry, um, and you know they're fighting for their lives down there in the bottom of the league, and we went there and we did a typical Roy Hodgson, you know, sit back, defend, maybe a little bit of counter attacking, and we got the goal in the end. So. Yeah, a win is a win in my books. That's that's all I care about <laughs> that we win games and. Recently, I've been frustrated because we haven't really changed our system and we weren't getting the results. But now two wins in a row is giving a fresh 
air into the fans you know it's we're actually looking forward to in the next couple of games instead of saying oh no we, we've got a game coming up on a Saturday it's been massive and it's not only a win it's a, it's a win against Brighton which is it just tops it I mentioned the term smash and grab there now that's not meant to sound disrespectful because some games are going to be like that but what it maybe shows from my point of view and I said this a few weeks ago on the score of all the teams down there who do you back to be a pragmatic team to get the job done when the pressure's on? Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson are that team that when the going gets tough, they can grind out wins, whereas most of those other sides can't. So for you, James, when you hear smash and grab, obviously you won't care because you've got three points. But is that actually a testament to Roy Hodgson that he realised Brighton were going to play in the style they've done this season? They're going to play out from the back. They're going to dominate possession. But Palace didn't, didn't need to do that. The most important thing was three points. And Palace, at the end of the day, however well or badly they played, no no matter what the style, they got the job done. They did, Kieran. Um, You know, no doubt about it, we did ride our luck a bit. I did feel that, you know, they had quite a few chances and other better quality strikers in the league would have put those chances away. Um, We are still... Roy is very, very effective at setting us up to defend yeah. and compete in the midfield and I think what he's doing is he's carefully getting edging us over the line so that we're not going to get relegated I'm hoping that if we get to the magic points whether it be sort of 39 40, 40 points which might be another win or, or, or win and a draw then maybe we can have a little bit of time where Roy can experiment a little bit more maybe you know have a look at a bit more attacking formations but he he is pragmatic and he gets a job done and we've all said it all season and and other fans from other clubs says you're you're in a safe pair of hands with Roy and and everyone's right do you think he'll actually do that because I've been thinking about as well if we're safe then surely he might play more attacking football because there's nothing to lose but if you if you look at the Premier League positions and how close it is one game or one win or one draw could be massive in terms of the money that you get at the end of the season because it seems like every Premier League position is worth around £2 million. So, I mean, I'm not too, too convinced that he might change it about even if we're safe because so far we've played the same system, as James has said, defend and get the points like that. And I don't think that's going to change even if we're confirmed safe. I do agree with you. Um, I, I think that it is difficult for Roy to probably change wholesale but I think that he'll have the confidence to tweak things here or there. I think he'll have the confidence maybe to bring on substitution a little bit earlier than he has been. I think you'll, fi- you'll find he maybe bring on two or three attacking type players at half time rather than maybe the 80th minute that he has been. I don't think it's going to be so. Uh, he's going to be as, as anxious as he has been, or whether he has, I don't know. But he doesn't always show it. But for for me, there's a lot of anxiety in the crowd. You know, we've we've just sort of sneaked over the line with the odd goal and and hang on for dear life. Um, but I personally would like to see this creativity that we've been calling out for, and the fans are saying, you know, we just want to just try something a little bit more positive. I'd like to see it, not wholesale, but just gradually sort of just experimented with over the next half, once we're, once we're over that line and safe, which I believe we will be maybe in a week or two. Looking more specifically then at the game, the man that got the winning goal, Jordan Ayew, his goal contributions have been worth 12 points. It did feel like Matt Ryan should have done better with it, so maybe a bit of fortune, but um, you won't, you guys won't be complaining about that. What do you make of Jordan Ayew? Because he's not a prolific goal scorer. He's not someone that's going to score 15, 20 Premier League goals. But 
for you, Dio, how, how much importance do you place on his shoulders? How, how key a part is he? Or do you think going forward, whether it be in the summer or the summer after that, that realistically Palace do need an upgrade and he's a stopgap and, and a solid one at that, doing a solid job, but Palace need to be aiming higher and, and better than that going forward? I, right now, I don't think that because we've been talking about Wilfred Zahr, for example, but Jordan I has been better than Zahr this season, I think, in terms of his contributions. You take away his goal contributions and right now would have would be in a relegation zone. Um, that's how important it's been. And you look at some of the goals that he has scored, it's not just tappings. He has scored some very good goals as well. So I feel like this Jordan Ayew, I feel it could be a fluke if it, if it, if he was on form for a couple of months, but it's been the whole season. From the start to now, he has been scoring goals and he has been one of the most important players for us. So how I have to see it is, right now, there's other positions that we should focus on and Jordan Ayew has been maybe I, I've, I was deciding this on the review show in our own podcast whether he's player of the year it's between him and Vicente Gaeta for me and it's so tight because both of them Vicente in goal and Jordan I up front have literally kept us up in the league another man that I thought played quite well but without the goals Christian Benteke a lot of people have been making jokes about <laughs> the lack of goals for what seems like an eternity now for the last two or three years looks a shadow of the player that he did at Aston Villa where not only was he causing chaos for defences he was scoring the goals for you James are you seeing in recent weeks that even though the goals aren't flowing he did score against Everton that actually performance wise you're seeing things really pick up that the confidence is just maybe gradual maybe slow but it's starting to come back and even though the goals aren't coming thick and fast the contribution all round in the game is coming slowly yeah, I think after Saturday, it was the first time when I had a, th- a think to myself and thought, do you know what? I probably would keep Benteke in the side for the next game. And I haven't haven't thought like that for many, many a game. And not because of the goals, because he d- he's not really scoring the goals. I think that is the icing on the cake. Now, obviously, he's paid to score goals. That's that's always been my argument here and, and, and uh, for, for not him not playing, is that he is paid to score goals and that's what he should be doing. However, when you look at recent performances, um, you know, last month or so, he really is bringing other players into the game. He's laying the ball off well. He's a very, very big guy, so he's a good target and he's winning headers. And he wasn't doing that uh, in, in the past, last season or two. So, yes, it is unfortunate that he's... he's yeah, he did score a, a, a goal, a softish goal the other week, but he did score. But, but I think... Perhaps we are playing a bit more to his strengths and maybe that's something that we need to work on for the rest of the season and try and get him to score a few goals. Well, when he was last scoring goals under Allardyce, it was just so simple. It was putting crosses into the box and you win the medals. But we haven't been doing that with Benteke because what we do do is when we have the ball, we go out wide, but instead of crossing the ball in, we tend to cut in, or if we do try to put the balls in, it just goes, it doesn't go to him. So the overall, we haven't really helped Benteke, but there have been so many positives as of late, which is good because before he wasn't even confident enough to do the basics in terms of holding up the ball. But now we are seeing that. And I mean, if you step back and look at it, it is not enough for a Premier League striker just to hold up the ball. You need goals. And that's why in the summer, we still need to go and get goal scorer because I know we'll be talking about Tosun later on. We haven't got strikers. I mean, if Benteke goes out injured, Who's going to play out for like we're going to struggle with attacking players. So it has been good that Penteke is in this position and he has been doing the basics, but of course he needs to do a bit better. And we'll just see, I guess, there about ten games left till the end of the season. Yeah. Um so hopefully he could 
get another goal or two and have a good preseason and maybe score more goals next season. But we can't rely on Benteke alone because it, it's not only now, it's been a couple of seasons that he hasn't been scoring goals. So we do need another goal scoring striker. Another player that I wanted to get your views on as a result of the weekend, Jairo Riedeveld, who's had quite a strange Crystal Palace career, yeah. was brought in by Frank de Boer and, well, he didn't exactly last <laughs> very long. He came on at halftime uh, for James McCarthy. What what did you make of his performance on the weekend and, and where is, is he at in, in his Crystal Palace career? Are you still thinking come the summer it's quite likely he's going to be moved on or do you think he's got he's got a role to play within this Crystal Palace side? I definitely think he's got a role to play. I think he's a young player. We know that. Um, he's, he's very skillful. I think the problem with him in the past is that he's had bit parts and he's probably not been particularly uh, fit or sharp. Um, he came in, he did a really good job at fullback. I think, you know, coming in and, and playing in a defence, it gives you time to gradually sort of get, get your full fitness and sharpness. Um, when you come in, like he was as a central midfielder at the beginning of his career at Crystal Palace, you know, he's thrown into the middle of the midfield and he, he couldn't adjust that quickly. And um, he didn't get the time or the consecutive games that he needed to sort of get his fitness up maybe or his sharpness for Premier League um, football. Well, he came on at the weekend and he did nothing wrong for me, I don't think. I think he did one or two touches, some good passes. So I think his confidence will, will go from strength to strength, hopefully. I, I just don't understand his situation. I mean, every time he comes in, he performs. But yet again, there's no real guarantee that he's going to get game time after the, even after the Brighton game. And we're looking at younger players. We're looking at players to bring in to lower down the age squad. Well, we've got Jairo Riedewald. He's 23 years old and he's actually a decent Premier League player and he's got potential. I will play him over Luka Milivojevic right now. If you, if you ask me whether who starts next week, Captain Luka or Jairo, I start Jairo because I feel like Jairo, every time he has come in, even yet he's mainly played left back, but he came in at midfield uh, against Brighton. And he performed once again. He can defend. And another good thing about him is that his passes do connect, which we haven't really seen with Luca. Now, you can blame the attacking players and their runs, but with Gyro, it is connecting. So there's something working there. So let's work with it. And instead of dropping him next game and giving other players chances who haven't deserved it. I think this is what I was saying a little bit earlier is that now is the opportunity. You know, we, we, we're going to be safe, I'm pretty sure. We just yeah, need a win. Even... Or so. so now is the opportunity. If McCarthy's still injured or there's a position in midfield, then you're going to say, Roy's got to think about this and say, well, look, I've got to look to the future here. I've got a really young player here. He's, he was player of the month at fullback, although technically he's more of a midfielder. He didn't put a foot wrong on Saturday. Uh, he's sharp. He's fit. Let's just play him. And, and this is what I'm looking for over the next few games. I want these types of players to get the opportunity and, um, you know, give them a real good chance rather than giving them sort of 30 minutes here or 45 minutes there. Jairo yeah. Rudeveld over Luka Medvedevich. What do you think, <laughs> Crystal Palace fans? Call us on 0208 70 20 558 or WhatsApp us on that very same number to give your views. Should Jairo Rudeveld be given more first-team minutes and be given more first-team starts? We've looked back at the game against Brighton and up next, we'll be joined by Crystal Palace legend, John Solarco. For the fans... By the fans. Love Sport Radio. Welcome back to the Crystal Palace Fan Show with me, Kieran Critchard, joined by Dia Kerners and James Howard up until nine o'clock this evening. Remember, Palace fans out there, if you want to get in touch, call us on 0208 70 25 have eight to share your views on your beloved club. We're still talking a little bit about Bryson. We'll have uh, Palace legend John Solarco on very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. 
Dio, you were at the game the other day, and this is seen as a derby game, and, and kind of the two are linked. What was the atmosphere like at the Amex on the weekend, and did it have the feel of a derby game? Because from the outside looking in, we kind of joke around saying, is it really a derby? From your perspective, did it feel like a derby? I'm not too sure if it's a derby. I, I don't know the word for it. I think rivalry is the most appropriate word because I've seen so many... It's not the M23 derby because the M23 doesn't come to Croydon. I was about to say. Yeah, so, and I've seen so many other names. So I don't think it's a derby. It's a rivalry. You can sense that at the ground. I, I went to the ground. It was my first Brighton away game. And yeah, there is clear hatred between both fans. Um, but in terms of the a- actual atmosphere, I was a bit surprised. I mean, I went last week. I actually went to Fenerbahce versus Galatasaray in Turkey to see that derby. And of course, it's not going to be the same with mm. Brighton versus Palace. But I was a bit disappointed in terms of the atmosphere. I thought it would be a bit better. Uh, maybe on TV, it sounded a bit better. But at the ground, it was it was it was a bit quiet. In first half, I guess it's due to our performance. But as the game went on, it it did improve massively. But it's, we started a bit slowly. I'd like to take you back in time. Late <laughs> little 70s. history lesson. <laughs> little, late 70s. I was probably about nine, ten years old. And um, used to get 40,000 at Palace. Um, and I remember Palace-Brighton game. And I was, as I say, about 10. And going with my sister and my older brother. And I just remember having thousands of Brighton fans running at me. Not just me, other people as well. And the White Horse Lane. And having to take a sharpish left up this other road to get out of the way. Um, but yeah, the rivalry was massive. It really was. And maybe it, it's it's nothing compared to what it was. But we shadowed each other as a team, you know, up and down the leagues um, for quite a few years back then. And uh, there was obviously some on and off the pitch stuff with Mullery and Venables. Mm. And two good sides, you know, that, that, that got promoted. Um, so... I I've been to Brighton away on a few 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 times over my um, life, and it's yeah, it's a dangerous place to yeah. go, and I'm sure they think the same of coming up to us yeah. as well. But yeah, I get what you're saying, Dio, because I went to um, a Brighton match um, a few years back, and yeah, it was nothing compared to what it was 30 years ago. Mm, I think that's true. Years ago, I, maybe. I think with every derby, really, or rivalry, I think it's it's gone a bit downhill due to. Lots of society changes. It's due to yeah. football hooliganism yeah. being pretty much not eradicated, but it's very minimal now, yeah, isn't minimal. it? Compared um, to back which, in the day, which, which is a good thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, when, we're not, we're <laughs> not, not going to, yeah, anything. to fight. Yeah, uh, so it's it's yeah. I, you know, I saw someone on Twitter was from the Brighton fans was complaining about the flares and. Oh, don't get me started. Oh, don't get me started on that. That made me laugh. I mean, Uh, but then a load of fans from other from other teams around the country were saying, "Oh, don't be stupid. Don't be a snowflake." Yeah, (laughs) I can't. I don't. It's a flare. I mean, we didn't throw flares up right. It was just it was a little flare. Like someone held a flare or smoke bomb, whatever it was. It's not like people ended up being hospitalised. Nothing happened. Well, the thing is, they're saying that some people got asthma around the stadium. Oh my! Um, but this is what it's got. It's turned around, isn't it? It's like when you go back to watching football when I did back in the seventies. You wouldn't have think twice about somebody throwing something on the pitch, and you think, "Well, that just happens every week," because it did. A bottle of something it's, went on the pitch. It is but, scary. But it's now it's you can't. It's scary. Off. Yeah, you have fans <laughs> complaining about flares and so like I wouldn't complain to Brighton because it adds a bit of atmosphere. You want 
that well personally how I see it I want them kind of things because I want the atmosphere to improve and it's not only that I want Zaha to go and actually go at the Brighton place because I it's part of the it's rivalry football, yeah. isn't it? it's football, football is football it's it's just always you, been like that you want that, to see passion and, <laughs> and yeah when and when passion is shown people start crying certainly a rivalry there and to look back at the game and talk a little bit about what's to come and delighted to say we're joined by an absolute Crystal Palace legend John Solarco joins us thank you very much for sparing a few minutes with us this evening uh, John they may not be receiving a lot of praise for the way that they play but yet again another three points for Roy Hodgson's men Oh, I wouldn't say another three points. I was going to say the best three points of the season. Get in there. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, for Palace fans, it's just the uh, be end and end all. So, you know, I've got so many mates that uh, went down. I nearly had tickets to go down, but I, I didn't go. But, hey, listen, you know, it's not how you play in those games. It's getting the results. So we lost twice last season, drew at Sellers. And to go down to the Amex and take all three points was just... Absolutely magical. The John, lads are, um, John as a as a as an ex player for Palace, do do you as a player when you're playing like in a derby or rivalry between Palace and Brighton, do you do you get that when you go out on the pitch? Hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If only in theatres, May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, you know, all week. It builds up, I think, for... I think you, you all know. Everyone talks about it. Everyone in shops, everyone... Just going to Asda or Sainsbury's to do your shopping. People are like, you need to get a result. You know, the whole area, the whole, everything in the press, and uh, it just builds up. The atmosphere is electric. So, mm. as a player, you know, it's another game, but you do understand the gravitas of that game. To see the lads celebrate after it just shows what it means to them. Do you think that has changed um, over the years? Now looking at it, of course, you're not the you're not the player. But just looking, at, do you think the rivalry in terms of uh, the intensity? Do you think it's changed from when you was playing? No, it's got worse. Oh, okay. So I've got I've got loads of pals that are Palace fans, and I ask the same question. I say, really, is this like? And they're like, oh my god. And if you say anything positive or anything slightly positive towards Brighton. People like look at you and go, what are you doing? What are you saying? It's, it's just crazy. And they, they just look forward to these games. It's, as soon as the fixtures come out, it's pinpointed on the calendar and they go and, you know, home and away. It's just the most important thing. It's crazy. I, I don't really understand it as a player, mm. if I was being honest, uh, because I don't really know what the beef was in the first place. But look... When when it comes round to Palace Brighton, it's it's crazy. People lose their minds, and uh, it's about choosing sides and then going to battle. 
the guys were discussing uh, earlier, John, about once or if Palace gets that point where they are going to be safe, whether Roy Hodgson will experiment a little bit. How do you see that unfolding? Because it does look like Crystal Palace are going to be safe. In those final five or six games, what would you like to see from Palace? Giving a few younger players, trying out a few different formations or sticking by the principle of just trying to win every game? Yeah, I don't think Roy's going to change anything, to be honest. There isn't masses, and there's no one that stands out massively that, that needs games. But we got to remember, you know, Crystal Palace is all about standing in the Premier League, so we don't know what that figure is. I mean, obviously, Watford Saturday, if we win that, um, you know, and they just beat Liverpool. So you can't take anything for granted, and managers are judged by results. And Roy wants to stay in the Premier League, so where it's going to be 40, 41, 42... Because what you've got to remember is someone goes on a run. I can remember playing at Selhurst and we beat, you know, we, we won the game. And we were celebrating going up because we were nine points clear of Oldham. And I think uh, Southampton, I think it was, went on and won three games and pipped us on goal difference to stay up. So he, he absolutely is not going to take anything for granted. He's just got to keep, you know, pedal down to the metal and, uh, you know, get as many points, finish as high up the league. And, Every position is massive money for the club, which will be bonus for the players. So from that point of view, no one will want to relent or take their foot off the gas. They're just going to keep, they want to finish as high as possible. Just quickly talking about, we talked about Benteke already, but it'd be interesting to get your thoughts. I feel like his game has improved over the last couple of weeks in terms of he's now doing the basics and holding up the ball, bringing others into the game and also got an assist with, uh, on, on a weekend yep. against Brighton. Where do, you, where do you see his future at Palace? I mean, he is struggling to score goals and we do need a goal scorer. Do you think we're yeah. over-relying on him a bit too much or do you think that he, he just needs to do simply a, a better in terms of final goal? Look, I, you know what, I hate the fact that it looks as though you're hammering a player and it's awful. I don't really know Christian... Um, he's obviously a good lad. The lads like him. He's come for a lot of money. But after the first season, you know, it's, be, it's been horrific in a, in a sense of a striker. And I know people like Joe Linton and Hilaire and Wesley are having the same problems. You know, there's a lot of pressure on strikers. But the basic requirement for me, I think you've got to go out, you've got to work your socks off. Um, you've got to make things happen and keep, your, you know, your game. You've got to bring the game, whether you score goals or not. I think the fans will forgive you that, as they do AU. But AU's got, I think, seven uh, goals now. Uh, but he works hard. And I think for Christian, I think he's gone back to the basics. And as I've always said, work hard. You know, give you give everything. Don't leave leave everything out on the pitch. And the fans will, will let you off, will, will forgive you. And he's beginning to give that, which the Palace fans have. I mean, I picked my team and I, I sort of put Tosin back in. I think he's been unlucky in. You know, people say, well, you know, Benteke has been playing well. He's, but it's down to him working hard and being focused and, and drilled. I don't know if he's had problems with injuries, but if you just go purely on the on the, on the the goal-scoring record, it's, 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 it's not good enough. And um, it's down to him to look at where he is in his career and say, well, I either want to be at Palace. If he wants to be at Palace, he's got, he's got to play well to stay in the team. And if he wants to live, he's got to play well for people to go, we'll take him. So... You know, but at the end of the day, people go into that gladi- gladiators arena to see gladiators perform, and <laughs> it's, it's, it's ruthless. So, you know, you pay your money, you pay good money to go and watch him play. You want him to see him score goals and go and battle, 
and on Saturday he delivered. And so, you know, we just want more performances like that. Many thanks for your time this evening, John. That was Crystal Palace legend John Solarco. Uh, so many thanks for his time this evening. Uh, we've still got plenty to come uh, over the next half an hour. Call us on 0208 70 if you want to share your views. Where do Palace go with their striker situation? Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. Welcome back to the Crystal Palace Fan Show with myself, Kieran Critchard, joined by Dio Kernas and James Howard. We're here for another half an hour. Remember, if you want to share your views, uh, Eagles fans, call us on 0208 7020 558. You can also WhatsApp us on that number to share your views. So make sure you get in touch with us and we'll be sure to discuss any views you may have. We've been talking a little bit about the striker situation at Crystal Palace. Benteke, his performance is slightly picking up, but the goal's still not there. Cheng Tosin is a man that... Crystal Palace brought in during the January transfer window on loan from Everton with an option to buy of around £20 million. We've learned today that he's gone back to Everton for further tests on a knee injury. Whenever you hear that, you instinctively think of whether it be an ACL tear, an MCL tear, PCL tear, which could result in a a long-term injury. DR... I suppose first and foremost in the short term before we talk about kind of transfers and, and whether he would be a fit going beyond this season for the rest of this season how big a blow was it in the in the few games that he did play did you did you think actually Palace may have got a decent striker on their hands and someone that they can rely on week in week out I think it's a massive blow uh for a variety of different reasons so first and foremost we Apart from Benteke, now Benteke and Jordan and I playing together, there's no backup option on the bench. And that causes all types of problems in terms of who comes off the bench for these players such as Benteke, likes of Jordan, Ayu. Because forget, yeah, these players can play good, but at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you manage these players right as well. And that's going to be ever so difficult when you don't have a striker and you don't have a second option. And in terms of Tosin himself, of course, you got that goal against City, but... I don't think we've seen enough from him, but when we have, um, without being biased, because I, I did want him at Palace, I thought he has been decent in terms of the. I mean, he's he's come on against, for example, against Newcastle last game, and he can't. He came on, done, a, did a massive challenge, and helped us in that aspect. But I don't know much about him for as a striker. I've, I've seen glimpses. I've seen glimpses of him proving to be a, maybe a promising striker, but. In the future, it's difficult now. I mean, if he's back at Everton and we haven't really seen... We've only seen him score one goal, which was a good goal, and he's had some good performances. It's difficult to judge whether he is worth that £20 million player. So, if it is a serious injury, and we're talking about potentially six or or, or more months if he is out with that knee injury, if that it is true that there is that £20 million option... Would you think, James, that's a really big, big risk to take on a guy that's only played a handful of games for Palace, had obviously joined Everton, things had worked out okay, but not brilliantly. His goal-scoring record was not terrible, but not great. How significant a risk would it be to pay £20 million, which in this day and age isn't isn't what it was five or six years ago, but would you still value this as as a significant risk to go and buy him and to kind of exercise that option? Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, if it's an ACL, then they say you can come back from one ACL, but not maybe two. Um, and then we look at Yannick Balassi, who had an ACL injury with um, at Everton. He was a brilliant player for us. Started off quite well at Everton, I thought. Then got the injury, and he's just loaned out everywhere, and he's pretty much off the scene, really. 
Um, 20 million in the scheme of things isn't a lot of money for a striker and I agree with DR what, I, what I've seen of him and I've only seen like one full game against Man City but he was brilliant that game I really really did enjoy watching him play and obviously scored the goal but when he's come on he, he's shown what he can do and he seems a really good all-round player which is what we need you know we've got skillful little players you know like are you um, but you know I think we've and we've got somebody that's got a bit of Benteke in him and a bit of IU in him. He's a sort of an all-round player. And for, for someone that, on the face of it, who, who scored on his full debut, um, he could well be that player that gets us what everyone wants is a 15-goal-a-season striker. Yep. But but what do you do when, you, when you're going to take on a player that's literally coming... You know, we're going to have to sign this player and make this decision, I presume, over the summer, which is it's not even going to be enough time probably to allow him to have any, any friendlies. Uh, so it's a gamble. Um, would I be prepared to... I think I probably would at 20 million. I think I've seen enough of him um, to think it's worth, it's worth a go. And maybe... By August, um, when's the transfer window? They're changing again. It will be until the end of August. A bit later, isn't it now? When it used to be. Yeah. So, so maybe we can get to see, or the club, not me, the club can get to see him uh, behind closed doors for a a pre-match practice match, friendlies, that sort of thing. But twenty million, I I think that uh, we should go for it. From what I've seen, yeah. I think it just depends on who else we could get. I think that's it. I mean, mm. he's not a bad option for twenty million, but if we can get, a, let's say, a bad show, I will for thirty million. Now that's where things get interesting because I'd rather me, even though I love to- uh, Tosin. I'd rather spend that extra 10 million on Batshuayi than spend 20 million on Tosin. But that's a massive if. I'm, I'm not too sure what's happening with Batshuayi. But there's other options out there as well. So I guess that he, he, it is a good option to have there. I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that we can still get him for 20 million. So we have that on the side. But I think we should focus on other targets as well because there's no, there's no real rush right now, especially in the summer. Just to mention uh, to listeners out there, we are now on National Station as well. The Rangers fan show, if you're looking forward to that, is at 10.30pm this evening. Rangers are currently playing. That's why the Rangers fan show is slightly later. So that's why uh, we are now on National Station, just to mention that one. Going back to Cenk Tosin, and you mentioned Michi Batshuayi as well. Tosin signed for Everton for £27 million, nine goals in 44 games. That's one in five, pretty much. We're just one game shy of that. He'll be 29 in June. That's not a great. It's not horrendous. It's not quite Benteke over the last yeah. couple of years, but it's not. It's not great. And you mentioned Batshuayi there. Obviously, he's behind Tammy Abraham at Chelsea. He's had game time this season against Manchester United. He started and had a poor game, missed some pretty good chances. Are you looking at both of these and thinking that there are real weaknesses in their game that you could find yourself in the same situation you have done for a few years where? you're talking about the same old problems with strikers, or do you look at either Tosin or Batshuayi as a guy that's not necessarily going to be the answer and the guy, but do, do you think if Palace can nail these guys down long-term, that they could be moulded into decent Premier League strikers? I think that the club needs to start really seriously looking for an I'm sure they have been, but I think they really do need to continue looking for a striker um, at the, for the end of this season and for next season. So... Perhaps, perhaps we try and get someone in that uh, Roy prefers, and um, Tosin is is there sort of as a reserve. But um, 
And I'd, I'd like to think that we could possibly uh, get a couple of strikers over the summer. I don't know about you. I think when, when, when I'm looking at these type of players, I'm just looking at them based on what I've seen at, of them at Palace. I mean, Batshuayi, he worked under Roy Hodgson. If we're going to keep Roy Hodgson as a manager, he managed to make Batshuayi work in terms, of, in terms of getting goals. So, yeah, I just feel like you have to get players. You can't just go and get a striker just for the sake that he's a striker because we know that Roy Hodgson plays one type of way and we need to make sure we get a player that fits his yeah. football. And likes of Batshuayi more than Tosun has done. So that's why I'm saying that if there's a possibility of going and getting Batshuayi, I'd rather see that than maybe likes of Tosun because Tosun, he might be better than Batshuayi. We don't know, but we haven't seen enough of him. And right now, I'm not willing to take the gamble on spending 20 million on a player rather than spending 30 million when the 30 million pr- player has proven himself already. So that's why I, that's why I mentioned about Shoy because he has done it at Palace's, Palace's system under Hodgson. You mentioned Roy Hodgson's name there and, and interesting to read comments from Joel Ward, obviously a long-serving player uh, at the club. He says the Palace squad are desperate for Roy Hodgson to stay at the club. Going forward into next season, the next few seasons, James... Are you still firmly in the camp that Rohoshan is proving over the last few seasons that he can he can do it at this level? That that, that at clubs like Crystal Palace he can do a good job, and, and you're still firmly behind him, or are you thinking more in the long term camp that that Palace need to start thinking long term about another manager and someone that can take them forward? Because we do live in a in an era where we're so short termism and just thinking about the next six six to twelve months. Are you thinking more long term? I'm still in the camp of thinking more long term and if we're going to splash out a lot of money I'd be inclined to maybe consider looking at other managers out there and I know I get a lot of probably criticism over this from people that are not Palace fans Um, it's difficult to explain you know when you've watched Palace as much as we have you can see what is so frustrating about um, being managed by Roy Um, yeah he does get you over the line he does keep you in the division but there's a lot of problems that we see from the terraces in the team and with tactics and styles of play and you just think the team could really do better I really think they could do better the squad could do better he could utilize the squad more Um, and I think sometimes he he doesn't really have a lot of confidence in the team as much as maybe some of us fans do and he just plays a safe game and he sets us up to really not lose the game rather than being a little bit more positive and thinking, well, actually, we can really win this and we should win it and we should try for it. At least we try and we might lose the odd game, but at least if we try, we're going to, we're going to be, we're going to, you know, hopefully entertain the supporters more. So I'm, I know it's people say, you care for what you wish for, but you know, it's, it's a tricky one, but I personally am worried that we spend a lot of money on new players coming in that Roy wants, and then suddenly we've got these players that a new man and then Roy leaves for whatever reason, and he could well leave at any point because he's at the age where he could just jack it all in and think, well, I've had enough. Um, and then we've got these players again that other managers don't want, and they're on you know expensive contracts. And we can't get rid of them, and we can't afford to to carry carry players like that. I'll I'll still have him at the club. Um, and not when he, when you say long term, I don't think you can put that under Roy Hodgson due to his age, because I don't think he's going to be managing for long term. When I say long term, that's around five years or three to five years. I don't think he'll be managing long term. But I just think right now. 
the the one thing that's always in the back of my mind is the American owners because we saw what happened last summer window. We saw what happened in January transfer window. There have been lack of transfers. And are we in a position right now to bring in a new manager and start something fresh and try to push on? I don't think so due to that uncertainty. So until the American owners are really out of the club and we have a new fresh of um, investors into the club, I'll keep Hodgson because at least he can keep us keep us up in the Premier League. I know it is so boring at times to watch Palace and your normal fan wouldn't... I mean, if you watch Palace in an odd occasion, you might not notice that. But over time... I do get really, really bored. But he will keep us up. But you have to think about financially. Getting relegated with the squad that we have and the wage bill that we have would be really, really horrendous. So Hodgson, he can sail the boat. But the only worrying thing still is that he has a signed extension and he runs out in the summer. So they have been saying that there have been talks ongoing. But where's the actual finalised contract? Because, I mean, his contract ends in a couple of months and he still hasn't signed a new, a new deal. So that's a bit worrying, but apart from that, I'll keep him. Just finally on Roy Hodgson, James, you mentioned about maybe looking at other managers. If Palace did find themselves in the situation in the summer where they were needing to find a replacement, Roy Hodgson might decide to either retire or to to leave Palace. Are there any names, any couple of suggestions that you would have as managers that you would like to see that are realistic, as well as managers that you would like to see in the Palace job? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. Um, maybe someone like a Steve Gerrard. Um, yeah, I mean, he's in Scotland. He's doing a reasonable job up there. Very good job. And I think he probably wants to break into the Premier League and he's probably not... I mean, I think Frank Lampard was did well to get the Chelsea job. Um, he's doing he's doing well, but I think Steve Gerrard would, would, won't be getting a Liverpool job, that's for sure. But I could see him um, wanting to get in the Premier League and I think we might be able to offer that opportunity to someone like Steve Gerrard or you go for someone maybe uh, like a Lee Johnson Bristol City he's done fantastic job at Bristol City with the players and the money they've got now he hasn't got any experience in the Premier League that's the worry um, but then there's the usual the usual crowd that Sean Dyche but I think you're going to get similar to Roy Hodgson with Sean Dyche and then the Bournemouth manager, Eddie Howe, would probably be up there as well. I'd be interested in looking at him, especially if Bournemouth were to, were to get relegated. I think uh, he'd be up and available. Some interesting suggestions there. Palace fans, what do you think of that? Steven Gerrard, uh, Eddie Howe, Sean Dyche, are those the sort of names that you would consider if Roy Hodgson does leave in the summer? Not necessarily that he will, but his contract, as uh, DR said there, it is out at the end of the summer. Still no contract on the table and finalised. Will Roy Hodgson still be at Palace next season? If you want to get in touch, call us on 0208 7020 558 or WhatsApp us on that very same number. Obviously, we're looking ahead now to Palace's upcoming games. They play again on Saturday afternoon at home against Watford. Uh, we'll be getting uh, the perspective from, from a Watford player, Derek Payne, next. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. It is to that time of the show where we look ahead to Crystal Palace's upcoming game. They're at home against Watford on Saturday, and I'm delighted to say to give us the opposition view. I'm delighted to say we're joined by the former Watford player, Derek Payne. Thank you very much for your time uh, this evening, uh, Derek. Watford came off the back of a fantastic result against my beloved Liverpool, where Watford were thoroughly brilliant last weekend. They really, really did deserve that victory I'm assuming even in your wildest dreams, you didn't see not only a result like that coming, but a performance like like that coming. 
Yeah, evening, Kieran. Yeah, yeah, of course. Obviously, um, got to be realistic going into the game. You know, anything, a point or anything out of that game, everyone would have been more than happy if we got a point. So, so it was more the performance. I think the performance is is what's kind of required when when you're in the position that Watford are in. And I think, you know, they they started well when Nigel Pearson come in. They kind of got that level of commitment and you know really grafting and working hard to get results. And it kind of tailed off a little bit. So um, the manner in which they got the result, I think, was the most pleasing thing because they really worked hard, the whole team, from 1 to 11 plus the subs. Everyone put a real good shift in, and that's what you need when you're in, in Watford's position. In the reverse fixture that we faced Watford, that's when Nigel Pearson actually got announced, but he wasn't in charge of that game. Um do you think you're confident of staying up under under Nigel Pearson? Um, what, have you, what what have you liked about him so far, and maybe disliked? I think I'm, we're confident that um, he can he can keep us up, mainly because you know he's had the experience, he's done it. There's only three times apparently that someone in kind of Watford's position around Christmas has, has stayed in the Premier League, and Nigel Pearson was part of that at West Bromwich Albion. And he's part of that at Leicester City. So he's got the experience to get you out of that. Uh, what I've liked about it is what I liked about him is he's very what we called old school. He's very, he's simplified everything. And, and I think when you're in the bottom and when you're down in trouble, you need to keep it quite basic and, and you've got to make sure your shape's very good and your defensive setup's very good. And um, he, he's installed that, that into the club but also his man management has been really, really I've been really impressed with that his man management's been great seems to get on with the players really well It's been a very interesting time hasn't it Derek under Nigel Pearson because when it was announced he was taking over people were questioning him he then went in and Watford had a real bounce then they went through a slight lull a bit of a, a bit of a poor period they seem to have come out of that again um, it's been quite a topsy-turvy time for Nigel Pearson. Do you think, looking forward to the rest of the season, they're on the right track and that they're good enough to finish above some of the sides in and around them? Yeah, I do. I do. And that's generally, I'm not, not from a Watford perspective, but I generally think they're better than three other teams, you know, at least three other teams. And I think against Liverpool, they've shown that. And I think that's where the frustration probably from Watford's point of view is from maybe the supporters and everyone, the talent's there, you know, the talent's definitely in the group. Um, it's just harnessing it and making it come out with the work ethic. And um, he seems to have managed to do that. And it, well, there was a bounce and yes, there's been a little bit of a, a lull, but I do believe he, he's, he's installed good habits and the habits that you need when you're in Watford's position. So I do, I do generally believe, and that's not, looking through it from a Watford perspective that they are better than at least three other teams um, but he will keep their feet on the on the ground and I think that's a strength of his as well and that's where his experience comes in you know because we've beaten Liverpool doesn't mean we're going to stay up and so we've got to treat the Crystal Palace game exactly the same and all the rest of the games do you think up. do you think that uh, Watford will be coming to Selhurst looking to sort of be a little bit defensive, a bit cagey and maybe hoping to come away with a point or do you think they'll come and get right on the front foot straight away and be looking to, to win? I feel like with the Crystal Palace games and obviously you've seen them over the last few seasons, um, they're always kind of tight and they're always kind of cagey at, at Crystal Palace. 
I think the players kind of know each other really well, both sets of players, because since the playoffs uh, and the FA Cup and and then tight games. Um, so I, I think Watford will go there knowing it's going to be quite cagey. Um, both sides play the similar system, 4-5-1, 4-3-3, out of possession. So I think the key, for, key is who wins that middle of the pitch because I think it's going to come down to the wide players who wins this game because um, obviously Zaha and Ayu at your place and then you've got Saar who's, who's been outstanding and probably Perea now. So um, I think they'll go there and, and know it's cagey but they'll, they'll look to, to use their wide areas to, to try and get something out of the game. They won't come negative but they, they'll definitely know it's going to be a cagey game because... They usually are against Crystal Palace. And just a quick uh, prediction then, Derek, how do you see the game unfolding? It's obviously Crystal Palace at home against Watford. How do you see it going? I, th- I personally, I think it's going to be a 1-1 or a 0-0. It's going to be tight. And I, I think I think it's, it's going to probably be a draw this time around. That's, that's my, my own feeling at the moment. Thank you very much for your time this evening, Derek. That was Derek Payne, uh, former Watford player, looking ahead uh, from the opposition view to this game. They've been uh, rocked by the news this week from that game that Gerard de la Feu uh, has had a pretty serious injury from that game. He'll stretch it off. It looks serious and it has been confirmed he's out for the rest of the season. I'm assuming as Palace fans, obviously never nice to see a player go down. But from your perspective, happy that that, that, that a player like that who could have caused Palace problems is, is not going to be available for them this weekend. It's a beast, of course. Uh, but the main man that I'm worried about is Saar because he... Is a very very good footballer, and it's just I'm not too sure exactly what side he's going to be playing on. But if he's up against Joe Ward and with the pace that he's got, that's a bit worrying because I feel like it will have to be either Zaha or Ayu doing a lot of tracking back, and that might take a bit out of the out of the game just to help Joe Ward. So I think that side where Joe Ward's going to be at is going to be the one to focus on because they could target him and rightly so because he he is struggling with pace. It, it, it has taken Ismail Assar uh, time to, to adapt, hasn't it? That, that he didn't hit the ground running. He was lambasted really until in recent months. How, James, do you see the game unfolding? Because I can't imagine either side necessarily wants a lot of possession. So how do you see how do you see the game panning out in terms of the style of it? Uh, yeah, good question. I've um, going back to what Derek said from Watford. Um, we've been pretty much playing each other for quite a few seasons now, up to the playoff final, from the playoff final onwards, and there seems to be a much of a, quite a lot of rivalry between the two clubs. So much so that some of my mates are saying I've got more animosity against Watford than I have at Brighton these days, which is funny. Mm-hmm. But um, and the reason for this is that what Watford seemed to really kick us up the backside nearly every time we played them and that worries me again because they've got players like Kapu which will frustrate and stop Zaha from playing and they've got other players that that can really play um, at Watford and if they start kicking us around the park and getting away with it then we haven't really got that many talented flair players apart from Wilf that can really create stuff and that that's what worries me and I hope it doesn't go down that route, but it could do. Um, but I agree that, that it, it could be a bit of a, a tight one. But I'm, 
I can give you my prediction now. I was about to say, you're pre-empting yeah, the next question, Joe. You're thinking ahead. I'm thinking ahead <laughs> here because I'm going to go against what I'm saying here. I think because we've had the last two games and we've kept two clean sheets and we've scored and won one nil, and we're at home, I'm I'm really hoping that we do get the better of Watford and we we win two nil. I think we we could win two nil at home. Two nil for Crystal Palace. Dear. Are you going to be as optimistic or slightly more pessimistic? More pessimistic. I think two nil. That's too. That's uh, we hardly score any goals. Um, I'll go with a one nil win. And who's going to get, get the Wilfred goal? Wilfred Zaha in front of the Watford he's been, fans. He's been struggling for goals, hasn't he? He has, like, but it, it's Watford. Watford just can't stand Zaha. I was about to say um, the, the Hornet. The Hornet though won't be there. Or oh, yeah. he might be. He yeah, might maybe just, he might be there with he the might rock up. He might rock up <laughs> with the, the team. Exactly. <laughs> he might be named on exactly. the bench. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like 1 0 with Zaha getting a goal in the second half. 1 0. I think that's. I, I tell you what, I think it's going to be Crystal Pass 1 Watford 0. I think. Not necessarily the greatest game. Yeah. I don't think you, you will be necessarily blessed with a great game, but I think it could be Crystal Pass 1 Watford 0. Many thanks to DR and to James for the last hour. That's been the Crystal Palace fan show. Obviously, they're playing Watford uh, this weekend. Uh, Rohan seemingly doing a decent job. Not necessarily the greatest watch at the moment, but getting those three points. Obviously, the Crystal Palace fans will be back same time next week, eight till nine next Wednesday evening. So Eagles fans, make sure you're listening next week. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.